Good morning. For those of you who I don't know yet, I am Jake. I'm the, uh, one of the assistant pastors here. I oversee the worship ministry uh, and more recently the evangelism efforts here and the college students. So college students particularly, if I haven't met you, please come introduce yourself. Uh, I look forward to meeting you and getting to know you. So last week we finished a very long series in the book of Isaiah, the ancient prophet of Judah. And for me, this whole series, which took up most of 2023, it was challenging, it was sobering, it was convicting, and ultimately it was very, very hopeful. It gave me a lot of hope. And I'm grateful to our lead pastor, Colleen, who stood in the middle of two completely different eras, ancient Israel, Judah, two and a half millennia ago and today. She stood in the middle and wrestled with these ancient texts on our behalf to discern what the same God who gave those people at that time messages the same God, what he had to say to us today in our world, in our context, here in Santa Barbara and even here within this body of believers here at Free Methodist. The season of Christmas and Advent that we've just come out of had me thinking a lot about Mary and how for, for nine months, and, and my wife often reminds me it's actually longer than nine months, it's it's almost ten, it's nine months and three weeks, so I don't know why we have nine months, but um, almost ten months pregnant with the Word of God, pregnant with the Savior himself before giving birth. And the season of Advent and Christmas had me thinking, the past year of wrestling with these texts from Isaiah and other ways that God has been working in my life, I felt God ask me the question, is there something that he made pregnant in me? I know that's kind of a funny image, especially as a, as a male, but is, is, is there some work that God over the last year made pregnant in me that is ready to give birth at this transition of a new year a new series that will begin in a few weeks at our church, a new season ahead. And so I ask you the same question this morning. Is there something, as you reflect over the last year, as you reflect on what God spoke to you, ways that he is working in your heart, in your spirit, is there something that has been ruminating inside you that is ready to give birth take shape, and really live, live in a new way as we walk with Christ. We, during every Advent, this church, if you've been a part of this church for a while, you'll know we always sing a nativity prayer multiple times during Advent. And it's a short hymn that goes, Oh, holy child of Bethlehem. 
Descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. Yeah, thanks for the help there. Um, That is not a petty prayer. So in what way is the power of Christ born in you? To help us answer that question, or at least to consider it and, and start pondering it, we're going to use two texts from the lectionary. Since we're done with Isaiah and we're going to start a new series in a few weeks, we go to the lectionary and we're going to use an Old Testament account of Samuel and a New Testament account of John's gospel. And both these accounts have to do with calling, God calling ordinary people. And and these characters we'll look at are God calling Samuel and then the two disciples, Philip and Nathaniel. And we will use these stories and these callings to ask, how has God been calling us over this past year? And how, what is he ready for us to step into as we discern that call? In each of these stories, we're going to look at the setting of the person who was called, the person themselves and the attributes of the the person called, and then the call itself. And in each of these three different characters, I'd ask that you pay attention to with whom you resonate with what about their situation and themselves. What do you resonate with and what might God be wanting you to see in these scriptures to discern better what he is calling you into? So pray with me and then we'll begin reading the scripture. Oh, living God, I ask that you would Anoint me now with the oil of gladness. Anoint me with your strength in my weakness. Anoint each of us, Lord, with a, a word, with a fresh call. Anoint us, Lord. We are your sheep. We are here to be fed. Feed us, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so 1 Samuel 3 will be up on the screen. I would encourage anyone who really likes to follow along with the text, we're going to return to some specific words and phrases. So feel free to open it up in your Bible so you can follow along even after uh, it's passed on the screen. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, here I am, and ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. 
But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. I say that to Callum every other, every other hour during the night. <laughs> the Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears it tingle. Amen. So we will start with the setting. Samuel's setting. Well, when I read this and I use my imagination, it, the setting is bleak and dark. It says the word of God was rare in those days and that Eli's eyesight was beginning to fade. And this fact about Eli, if you know the whole story of Samuel and Eli, it's physical as well as spiritual. As the rest of the story reveals that Eli was falling asleep at his duty, his God-given duty. It also says the lamp of God had not yet gone out. This lamp, which was lit at nightfall and burned until morning, it had not gone out yet. So the setting that the authors and the editors of this ancient book of Samuel were painting was dim. A dim setting. And that is where God called this young boy. Next, Samuel himself... Verse 7 says, the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So here's a boy who's eager, but lacking spiritual maturity. Lacking spiritual maturity. He, he hears physically, audibly the voice of God, but he doesn't recognize it as God. He misplaces, misattributes the call. He's in close proximity with God, but looking in the wrong place as he goes to Eli. So he's in need of guidance. He's in need of Eli to instruct him, to tell him the nature of what he's heard and how to engage with it, how to respond to it, how to unlock the gift behind the call. We could spend time speculating why God did not say, Samuel, it is I, Yahweh. Didn't he do that for Moses in the burning bush? He said, I am God, I'm the God of your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the simple fact in this scenario is that he did not. 
He needed Samuel to figure it out for himself, but not by himself. He needed direction, specific instruction. He needed discipleship. Some of us relate to Samuel. We sense a call, perhaps, but we need help to discern it. We are in proximity to God's voice, perhaps through a gathering such as this, perhaps through his word, through worship music. But in discerning the call, have we been looking in the wrong place? Perhaps in our own life, it's too dim around us. Our eyes have yet to be fully opened to the living word of God. But God calls us now because we are eager for him. We're eager for him, even if we do not know it yet. If this is you, if you relate to any part of this, the first directive that I see in scripture is to seek out the mentors in your life. Ask those who do know God's voice, who are familiar with God's voice, to partner with you in discernment of what God might be speaking to you in this season. They are like a midwife to the call God has made pregnant in you. Do not go back to sleep and let God's lamp run out. For that phrase, the lamp of God had not yet gone out, implies that the night perhaps was almost over. The lamp had not yet gone out. There's still time in the vulnerability of the night for God to speak and for us to respond. All right, that's Samuel. We'll move now to the New Testament, to John's gospel, John 1, 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said to him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Amen. So we'll start with Philip. It says that Jesus found Philip. The gospel writer John doesn't tell us if Jesus sought out Philip 
or just happened upon Philip, but either way, he found him. Philip's setting that we know is simply that he had been found. Perhaps Jesus saw something in Philip, for he extends an invitation to him, follow me. In John's account of the gospel, this is the only invitation that Jesus initiates to one of his disciples. So perhaps what Jesus saw was Philip's availability or his capacity to trust or perhaps his potential to invite others along with him. For Philip's first act as a disciple is to go and invite one of his friends, Nathaniel. Philip is who Kyle and Dennis Leone would call a person of peace. Someone whose inviting nature has a positive influence on their community. Further than this, Philip shows resolve. He's decided that the rabbi is the one foretold by all the prophets of his forefathers. All the things he's been studying all his life. How sure is he? He's sure enough to respond to his friend's skepticism and say, don't take my word for it. Come and see for yourself. Several years ago at a men's retreat, Pastor Charles Latchison, who's a pastor at a free Methodist church in Long Beach, spoke about proof. Proof being letting our lives speak, our actions speak for for ourselves, for God. So Philip saw proof in Jesus, such that he was so confident in telling his friend to come and see it too. Some of us may relate to Philip. We've been found. We've been given knowledge of the truth. Perhaps God has called us from our capacity to trust in him and others around us. Maybe he sees potential for great faith in us that will be a blessing to others. Perhaps he has called us from our nature to invite others to come see the Savior as well. Nathaniel, on the other hand, is quite different from Philip, but no less honored or loved by the rabbi he meets. We'll get to Nathaniel's setting in just, a, in just a moment, but first I want to look at the person of Nathaniel. He is skeptical and even cynical, but Jesus frames this positively as a commitment to honesty. I hear such honor in Jesus' voice when he says, Truly, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael admits Jesus' rightness, inferring that he nailed a core attribute of him, of his character, when he says, where did you get to know me? The gospel writer narrates the next part of this interaction vaguely, although I believe this to be an intentional and beautiful choice in his narration. Though we do not know the significance of the fig tree 
or what significance it had to Nathaniel, this statement by Jesus is enough to break Nathaniel's skepticism. Scholars believe that Nathaniel was alone under the fig tree and further was not simply sitting, but doing something of personal or spiritual significance. So that when he heard Jesus mention the fig tree, he immediately attributes it to God who could have been his only witness. Therefore, he says, you are the son of God and equivalently the king of Israel. I will paraphrase for for us today something that I heard from Pastor Wesley White in Glasgow during a Bible study he led while my family was there serving with him. His discoveries from research into biblical commentary on this text were that Nathaniel may have perhaps been praying to God, perhaps praising or crying out in anguish and distress before God. Or secondly, he may have been doubting or even blaspheming God. Thirdly, he may have been sinning, acting in dishonesty or shame. Whatever it was, Jesus, knowing to pinpoint that specific moment, was proof for Nathaniel that he was the son of God and therefore his king. It is tempting to label Nathaniel by his first impression, skepticism, cynicism, but I think there's a deeper attribute to his character that Jesus draws to attention here, and that is his spiritual hunger. Upon being called out by Jesus, Nathaniel proclaims that he is the son of God, the king of Israel. This 180-degree turn reveals Nathaniel's spiritual hunger and such satisfaction in being convinced of the truth that he and his friend Philip are face-to-face with the one his ancestors have awaited for so long? Some of us relate to Nathaniel. Skeptical that God may have a call on our life or of God's voice in our lives, yet hungry, hungry for God, hungry to be satisfied. One of many lessons to be gleaned from Nathaniel's interaction here is that when we are faced with seeming coincidence in our lives, we have the choice to attribute it to chance or attribute it to God. And while habitually attributing such coincidences to chance may feel safer, may feel safer, we will miss out on the gifts and truths of God. In my own life as, as a younger man, that used to be a habit of mine to, nah, that's, that's probably coincidence. God lived in my intellect, not actually looking for his fingerprints, his evidence of work all over my life. 
But in my, in my mid-20s, I had a Nathaniel moment, a season of this 180-degree turn. And now, now I see God's fingerprints all over, all over my life. His provision, His action daily, His voice, His word. Now if we look at the calls themselves, the first call by Yahweh in the account of Samuel, and the second two by Jesus in the gospel account, there is a commonality between these gods that I want us to focus on today. And that's that each contains seeing. Seeing. We are in the season of epiphany. Seeing. God says to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. In other words, behold, see what I am doing, says the Lord. Jesus, on the other hand, says to Nathanael, you will see greater things than these. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Scholars believe that this is a reference to Genesis when Jacob at Bethel, at Bethel dreams about a ladder or a staircase from heaven to earth and the angels descending and ascending. Commentator Bruce Milne says, Jesus as the word made flesh is the new and supreme point at which God and humanity intersect. Jesus is the one, that intersecting point that Jacob dreamed about at Bethel. Therefore, Jesus tells these young, new disciples, stick with me. Stick with me and you will see God and humanity intersect. For Philip, whatever happened in his interaction between he and Jesus, he saw saw that Jesus was the fulfillment of the scriptures. So likewise, he comes to his friend and says, come and see, see for yourself the Holy One. As we ponder this together, and as you ponder it individually before God, let me encourage you that this particular invitation to listen for God's call afresh on your life It's not listening for an answer to the question, what is God calling me to do? Or where is God calling me to go? But rather, Lord, what are you calling me to see? There are times in life where God calls us to do or calls us to go. But in the example given by these callings, this scripture... The stories of Samuel, Philip, Nathaniel. Their call begins with seeing, with God wanting them to see him more clearly. See his will. See how he plans to intersect 
with humanity. Humanity, in our case, perhaps being your own humanity, perhaps being your community. Lord, how this year are you going to intersect with my neighbors, coworkers, friends? How would you use me? Or even the world, humanity in general. Lord, do I have questions about humanity and you? How do they fit together? On the front of your bulletin, there's a, I, I added a quote by a theologian, Marva Dawn. And the quote is about Sabbath. She has a whole book on Sabbath. And she argues that in a whole day of rest, in a whole day committed and where rest is guarded, God can refresh the call that he has on our lives. That's why we get together for worship and why we as Christians take seriously rest and guarding that day of rest so that by putting in a weekly pattern of space, we may have ears to hear God, eyes to see him. So if you resonated with any piece or pieces of this story today, these stories, then I invite you to pray with me. I'm going to read just a prayer, a short prayer that, that I wrote. So pray this with me and then the band will come up and we will respond in song. Lord Jesus, in the season past, what have you made pregnant in me that is ready to give birth, to take real and living form? Lord, I have come. I bring myself as I am, where I am. Are you calling me to see something new, something deeper about you, O God? Speak, your servant is listening. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.